Burda, and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. My name is Rory McNamara, leaving the time machine in the lockup for another couple of weeks as we bring you our Clash at the Castle special. Yes, all very modern around here, just for an hour or so. A few days ago, I was in attendance. Most importantly of all, I got to meet fantastic guys from the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast team. Long, long overdue. I got to meet Pete Kimber. I got to meet Daniel Dwitt. I got to meet Adam Joyce. I got to meet Chris White. And you are about to hear a recording we conducted just yesterday, as I do this intro, in which we have a general chat about Clash at the Castle, our live experiences, some of the highlights, whether we think WWE will ever come back and do a pay-per-view like this again in the future, and of course, as you would expect, a few fun tangents along the way. I'll just let you know now, I do this at the end of the show, but for those of you who want to know when normal service will be resumed, in as much as normal service ever exists here on our podcast, uh, in a couple of weeks' time you will be able to find our September 2002 review, uh, myself and Dan DeWitt on the docket for that one. But do check out our SummerSlam 2002 show, which is currently available, one of the finest we've ever done, I think. So now we're going to hear from myself, Dan, Pete and Adam, sadly Chris was a bit under the weather, so get well soon my man, talking about Clash at the Castle. First off, I think the person that comes through is the um, atmosphere of the actual event and the, and the stadium. It's hard to sort of comprehend the numbers. Sort of, it was, was it over sixty thousand, and um, you also sort of wonder um, how shows going to be received and what the atmosphere is going to be like when you actually get there. Having been to sort of various other wrestling events and various sporting events, sometimes the numbers don't match up with the with the noise or potential noise and but it's very loud very very vibrant all the way throughout and yeah kind of met my expectations or exceeded my expectations in that respect it felt kind of like the um raw after mania type shows where the crowd are a little bit sort of free and easy and uh, the, the chants come flowing thick and fast about and whatever they want to chant there's no sticking to the script or sticking to the story as wwe want you to to believe it that the crowd are in it for themselves, and but in a positive way, I think that there was no sort of, stu- kind of stupidity in the crowd. I think, from what I know of, I didn't, I don't have read anything that said would suggest that, but yeah, that's sort of my main sort of thing was how the how we're going to be, but yeah, really, really sort of blown away by how, how great it was being in there. Great crowd, I mean, it's a lot. I think I mentioned this on one of the videos that the UK crowds. Be part, possibly partly because they don't come over here that often are always um, amazing crowds to be part of um, TNA invited me to a couple of their events when they used to run regularly over here and uh, it was definitely the same with TNA events um, I mean I don't, in my section I think there was a slightly higher percent of families than there was in yours by, by the descriptions you're given but there were definitely a quite a high percentage of smart fans um not saying that's a bad thing um nothing wrong with smart fans um depend well unless they're wearing young bucks merchandise a lot um where is chris white by the way um but yeah um I, the crowd was... Ill. bit of a sore <laughs> Uh, but um, but yeah, the, the crowd, like I said, they're definitely uh, very into it, which is, um, I, th- I think, uh, for the most part, they're definitely. I don't know about where you guys were sitting, but uh, when it came to the end of the night, the moment that bell rang, everyone was filing out where I was, um, which, given the the serenading we got at the end, is probably not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> We stuck it out. Yeah, um, I I did stick it out to the end because I figured out where I was parked. I wasn't gonna get out for another hour, which actually no, I I did, but never mind that. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I, I noticed how um the crowds uh during the Gunther match were chanting uh, Volta, and I actually was kind of flicking through the show before we, we came on air today and. Uh, they actually did on commentary reference that by just saying, "Oh yeah, it's the crowd just referencing uh, the, the um, Gunther's past," which is not the worst way they could have covered that up. They, you know, by acknowledging a positive way to do it, isn't it? Rather than just yeah. flat out ignoring it. I'm glad they acknowledged it. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, um, 
yeah, I, 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 it's definitely a part of the crowd I enjoyed. I, you know, um, very yeah, just that did feel to be like a big togetherness of of the crowd. Of yeah, it's, it's finally coming over here, so we're going to make the most of it. Um, which hopefully is going to encourage uh, them to come over a little bit more often, maybe at least doing sort of shows of this size. Well, we'll get to that. Although one of our number has already decided, and I mean decided that that's going to happen. Is that not right, Mister Dewitt? Just hold, hold that thought for yeah. now, though. We'll, we'll come to it at the end. Uh, Pete, what did you think of the general atmos? I've been to a hell of a lot of house shows in the UK across the country, and the dominant participant in that crowd are normally children with their mums and dads. Predominantly, there is obviously your hardcore fan who will go to the shows when it comes to their but there is that difference, quite a different feel, and I don't think the young, younger fan is bothered the match quality they're getting. They're just seeing their the people on the screen in front of them. So it's a different atmosphere. Whereas this, obviously, you know, it was a pay-per-view. Um, just walking around the streets as we were, you could see the demographics, you could see the amount of people, um, the amount of merchandise that was sold. This would have made the company a hell of a lot of money. It would have been a massive success. So it was 63,000 was the the exact amount of attendance and I think in general the atmosphere when I was sitting um, was really good very very positive everyone was really out for it every match got it got it got it turned I think I was a bit worried at the start that the first couple of matches felt very much a little bit sort of that house show style where there was a lot of crowd interaction it tends to happen on house shows more so than you know I think they got into it. I think the, the, actually the, the, the Bailey chance really helped um, that match for a little bit of comedy value. I think they, obviously, they, I, I was fans of uh, had Bailey in our hearts for a few while, few years, and she was that, that you know, quite popular. Probably still is very popular to be fair. That Bailey face, but she dealt with fantastically well in terms of her character, and I think she kind of thought, God, are you guys ever going to stop doing this? But actually. You must have felt inside, you know, a million dollars that, you know, of all the people in that ring, you know, Bianca Belair, you know, the champion, et cetera, et cetera, she was getting all the all the chance and all the attention. And also her team won, which I think was a little bit of a surprise in, in, in that match. So, uh, yeah, I think in general, I think Cardiff did itself proud. And I think we and everybody there did themselves proud. There was no, no disruption, as far as I could see. There was no... no bad things happening in the crowd that I could see. I think everyone was behaving themselves and just there really to really just enjoy the fact that we have this event taking place in front of us, you know, as it was a pay-per-view, not just a, a glorified house show, an actual proper in-storyline pay-per-view with some pretty big matches. So, yeah, I think uh, in general, I think it, it's gone over very well. And I shall come on to the conversation late, later on, but I can't see why they won't want to do this in the future based on that. I think UK has always been that like cash cow and you know we, we, we crave don't we the big events that we don't get once one here we all jumped at the chance and booked our tickets months and months ago and it came around and I think that if they did it again much like the NFL at Wembley at Tottenham it just sells out because we don't get to see guys as much as we would like whereas in America it's the constant tour around the many states and, and cities over there so yeah but Cardiff I think was a great venue the lack of Wi-Fi killed me because my phone didn't work at all throughout the entire <laughs> show. But that's very much a, a, a me problem and not necessarily stadium. But it did affect some things that, you know, the interaction we were having. I think you guys were having on, on some chats with some dogs would have been nice to be able to interact. My phone didn't work for like an hour after his either. So I completely died on me. Um, but actually, maybe just sit there and watch and take it all in, which probably helped me a little bit as well. So, yeah. Yeah, one of my... Uh, video updates didn't upload because the um, the internet cut out on me literally as I was saying I don't know how much longer I can keep this video <laughs> going because the internet's a bit patchy here and it just went <laughs> and I, I thought and yeah it just didn't wouldn't upload so yeah there's one less um, on the compilation of all the stuff we did there there's one less recording than there should be I have found out since, though, another well-known podcaster in a magazine um, guy, you probably know I'm talking about, in Scotland, 
uh, I should have one no name names. So mm-hmm. they were three rows back. Apparently, in that part of the crowd, particularly in the, the good seat, there's stadium Wi-Fi offered to them and drinks brought to them. Apparently, in that situation, so a different experience down in the uh, dare I say it, the expensive seat. Oh, um, very nice. That, that, that's quite interesting to hear that that's what you potentially get if you are that person who's near the front row. I think there were three rows back, according to what I heard, heard today on a on a show they recorded. Mm. So that's interesting. Whereas we were all up in the sky, we're a little bit better. But you know, interesting to see where the where the where the good stuff is. But yeah. Well, I'm going to be well, may or may not be, let's say, sharing a room with said podcaster who shall remain nameless for something else I'm attending in about four <laughs> weeks' time. <laughs> Will I bring it up there and then I wonder? Assuming it happened at all, Peter. You know, it's, you know in this, in this week, in this week of all, people aren't really sure about things that are necessarily happening in the wrestling world, and there are a lot of conflicting stories. I'm not sure I can trust even you on this one, even though I do. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just on the topic of the crowd, you say there was no trouble. That's not quite true. Somebody directly in front of me. Uh, during the pre-show match, so maybe he did this on purpose, uh, got himself thrown out for bringing in his own can. <laughs> that kind of fascist cider, to be precise. Oh. Other cans of inverted commas cider are available, I'm sure, of course. But um, I think he did return, though. But maybe he just wanted to make absolutely certain he didn't need to sit through the pre-show match, which I could kind of understand. He didn't really kick up much of a stink. I was in the queue for a drink when that match... I suddenly heard the crowd sort of lift. I was like, oh, is there a pre-show match? What am I missing? So I couldn't leave the queue that I'd been in for about half an hour desperate to get a drink of some description it's quite warm in there and i managed to sit down as mad cup monsters sort of running towards the ring so i didn't miss it but i was like well, okay there is a pre-show snap because we weren't aware of that were we? well i remember being reliably informed that there would be no pre-show match is that not right everybody else on this call yes <laughs> having seen uh, quite a few of the current crop of uh premium live events that's right i'm getting on board with the term um <laughs> this year they have been very lack lacking in pre pre-shows even when they're even when they're two hours long there's still two hours of talking rather than any matches so to, to get only a half hour pre-show they still put a match on yeah that threw me for a loop <laughs> well I, I think part of that is um there was a big thing about austin theory was seen over here and so everyone was like, oh, this is going to be a big cash in at the end. Mm-hmm. So I think part of the reason was solely just, oh, if we stick him on the pre-show, then yeah. there's a reason for him to be over here. And uh, the finish of the main and it, you know, it will be less expected in the finish of the main event, which I'm sure we'll be talking about um, very soon. As you're all aware, this is just a serious start-up. I say that over the weekend, I'm not sure. <laughs> For those who don't know, Peter, which is nobody here, I think I think, I think you need to allow. You're throwing out various stories. You might as well add this one to your list as well. Elaborate I'm, on this if I'm you would. Chucking out for the river, I am. Yeah, so I was in Starbucks having coffee, and I'm pretty convinced he walked in with a a minder or some WWE security security guy. Literally stood at the in the queue, asked for something. They didn't have it. He just walked out again. <laughs> Starbucks for that they didn't have. I know. I was so it, must, it must be an American sort of exclusive thing or something. Yeah, we don't do over here. I guess it, despite it being a massive global franchise, there are some local regional variances, aren't there? Like, I, I'm sure, like you get that with the other fast food pieces. What did that ask for? What's the ask for? That's what I should have asked, shouldn't I? Yeah. Do you reckon, do you reckon he wanted a muffin? Eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah. 19 minutes in there. It's like first, I think, reference to it. There'll be a lot more this week. Just to date exactly when we're recording this. Uh, we have our Austin Theory and Starbucks. There we go. Can't hold a candle to that, Peter. I should say yeah. Peter sent a picture of us meeting 
Well, yeah, you, you tell them, Peter. Who did you meet at the uh, Who did you meet at the superstore the day before? Well, I, I queued up again in the superstore in another shop, which was about 150 degrees. I think Chris and Henry had to endure as well. I used to get in the shop. As I walked in, um, there was a display of obviously David Boy Smith. You know, clearly I often used the summer term. There was a, some pictures of him. There was actually the the, the coat that he wore, uh, the long the long bulldog coat um, on display. Bret Hart jacket was there as well, and and then uh, this show, there's this woman <laughs> at the front of the store, um, quite dolled up. I would say not wearing a great bit of clothing at the time, and and, and then people were asking her photos, and suddenly when I noticed the braids in the hair, it all started clicking into place. Ah, that's George Smith. That's uh-huh. the boy's daughter. I was like, ah, so I kind of stood there and I rather nervously went. Of course. So I kind of in me lovely pink Arsenal shirt as you do, with a rather embarrassing face, just sort of took a nice photo. And that was like the beginning of my my weekend. So I do like a photo with with sort of people. So it was nice in that. So there's a really good display and a good tribute to to uh, to David Wales because yeah, it was a huge part of, of 1992, wasn't it? I think it was quite a nice to do something like that. And also on the night there was a I know Brett was in the audience. Apparently stayed the whole night, watched the whole show. I'm letting to believe Brett Hart, apparently. So that was interesting, actually. Rather than getting the old series on screen, wave, and then bugger off coming to the back, apparently he was there the whole night and watched the whole show. So it's nice reference to it. You know, it was a big event, obviously, that we spoke about on the way on the walk down, didn't how big 92 was compared to, to the Clash. But yeah, that was my first experience of meeting. Ah, uh, oh, that pop for Brett. Oh. I can still hear it now. Definitely more than a four out of ten pop, that one. <laughs> Adam, where are you taking us now, sir? Um, oh, I had so many just random asides. I think some of you saw in the chat some of my places my head was going because uh, I was, as much as I was trying to, a lot of it I was not watching as a fan. I was watching it quite analytically because I was, you know, with uh, doing with all the setup with me, I was still in punditry mode. Um, well, we've, we've, we've said before, Adam, you're never off duty, so that doesn't surprise me. No. <laughs> so, yeah, well, one thing I don't, I don't remember if I actually mentioned this in the chat or not. Um, so, for those who follow us on the Facebook page, a couple of days ago, uh, I put up a thing um, that for those who didn't realise in 1992 when they did Wembley, they actually did all the floor seating in the shape of the Union Jack. Um, and how did I not know that before? Before I've just when you look at it, it's so bloody obvious. But I never, until you draw it, I never ever noticed that, which says rather a lot about me, I think. But when I um, but when I sort of was rewatching the show earlier, um, they just it just looked the same as every other show. Uh, I was just wondering, what do you guys think? Is there any shows nowadays that just really stand out as 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 actually looking unique the, well, where they don't they don't run like the yeah. garden anymore where they used to have well at least they used to have it set up slightly differently um, for the pay-per-views with like the the uh, entrance way behind the ring most of the time so yeah is that has i mean i think it might even go back to the attitude era where you sort of look at Wembley Stadium there, and it's definitely Wembley Stadium. But you sort of look at a lot of the stuff from the Attitude Era onwards. That you can't really tell where it is, except for the Garden shows. Ha- have we lost something by not having like the unique setup? Is or aren't or is it just subtly just letting us know that all these shows are the same? No, I, I, I don't want to come in there, Dan. Like I will let you now, but just briefly, it's yeah. been like this for make sure I'm not in timeline mode. 25 years there we go nothing just said five years but 25 years ever since the raw is war ramp came in in early 97 if they were running a show that wasn't msg would you know unless they told you i don't think you would go on dan yeah it's a thing yeah but um i think most arenas in the in the us and just in here do look look the same you'll get the yeah the, the ice hockey ones where they still got the boards up and the and the stuff and the wall seat still when they brawl into the crowd they look you've got the slight differences there but and they've 
gone even further sort of more recently with the homogenized sort of backstage bits as well sometimes like when they go backstage in certain arenas you'd see something a little bit different but now they're all on those big sort of, not quite green screens but they may as well be type screens when they do all the interview segments so yeah even the backstage now looks all the same not just the inside of the arena and yeah i was when we got to well when we got into the, the stadium on on uh saturday i was sort of a bit sort of taken aback that there wasn't a sort of stage from like an actual entrance way from kind of like a big old entrance ramp like mania style not maybe to that level but something similar to that way because i think that's when we that's probably the only time we do get sort of a different looking um entrance sort of it will be at mania and dare i say the the saudi shows also have, have that sort of unique look about them sometimes but um but yeah um as you were sort of saying they the ramp on saturday that was kind of interesting with the sort of long thin slightly raised entrance but it wasn't sort of that grand i guess then it's a case of trying to fit in as many people as possible to a point because they were blocked off one end for the hard cam that no one was sitting on that sort of side were they in the, no. in the sort of higher up stands that was all um top topped off so i guess they didn't want to lose too many seats with bigger grand sort of staging Adam, you watched it back. Did it look like a stadium show, if you get me? Especially based on the hard camera, and you've got those rows of 15, 20, 25 people going back. You watch something like WrestleMania 3, and just from the hard camera, you know it's a stadium show. Did it look big on camera? Uh, I'd say so, because you could, you could okay. tell you had like the, the, three, the three tiers, the, you know, the, the floor, yeah. the lower and the high. You could definitely see those. Um Actually, speaking on the just on the subject of the tarping off and the tears, uh, how how high up were you guys where you were? Because I was only about uh, a dozen or so rows from the top where I was. Um, yeah, and I, I was know- in like row SS behind yeah. the hard camera, third tier, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> yeah, because where up. I was, um, I sort of looked up and I noticed that yeah, the top few rows had all been, you know, taken out as well. I don't know if it was the same, if you you guys could tell from where you were. The bit where they, they cordoned it off. So to my right, that was where they cleared behind the hard camera, where all the, the mixing box was. That's where I was. But I was in the third tier, but on the lower third tier. So I was a bit closer, probably. Yeah. You guys say, but I was that side of it. So I only saw the sideways entrance. You were walking out. So I didn't see the, anything else apart from what on the big screen. Um, when um, Imperium made their way out and that guy was in the background with the wanker sign and the, uh, the funny fans thought it was quite funny when uh, it's free that was, that was a classic uh, I got a few laughs in the crowd where I was sitting some bloke just pulling faces and then the wanker sign came up I was like here's our charm you know be sensible and enjoy ourselves and there's always going to be that live live view of these three serious people and then there you are in the background so yeah fair enough So I wonder if they could have got any more in. Obviously, the opposite end to where I was was just a huge Welsh flag because that whole area was tarped off on the opposite side. Oh, well, there was still more tickets available. There was... Yeah, in the end, there were, weren't there? Yeah. Because the announced attendance was, what, 62.3 or 62.296, I think it was, if I remember yes. right. Um, and the, the way it was set up, you could hold over 64 um, and i know on the floor hard cam side pretty much the entire back row was empty in fact i'm going to be honest if this has been a show with an interval I'm, i probably would have tried to sneak down there in fact um but yeah i was um next to me there was an empty seat um you sort of looked around especially in like the, the corners you could sort of pick them out i mean closer to the ring of course they sort of packed it out but there was more more seats available. actually randomly i I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but I actually recently discovered where WWE get their attendance figures from. It's not from the ticket holders. It's from the people in the building. So the clickers. So No, as in they don't just count the, the people who bought the tickets. They count uh, the comps. They count the, the vendors. They count the production guys. So, <laughs> yeah, so this is yeah, how it's, it's WrestleMania 3 got. Isn't it? Yeah got the, the big attendance figure because it counted all the staff there and 
yeah, such a massive event, of course you're going to have two thousand people. And the talent too, and the refs and yeah. everybody. <laughs> oh wow, I did not know that Zane Presloff lives. But yeah, they're really, apparently Vince had, had the theory of if they're in the building, they're in attendance, aren't they? Which is, I suppose, yeah, you can understand yeah. that logic. Yeah. It's not a paid attendance, is it, or anything like that? It's just a flat on. This is the Ooh. this is the people in attendance. Feel the semantics, isn't it? <laughs> it well, that's what. Yeah, well, I guess that's where Vince Vince got it from, isn't he? So yeah. If they're in the if they're in the stadium, they are attending. Yeah. Which I think, like um, Michigan, University of Michigan, um, they always get like over a hundred thousand for their college football games, even though the stadium only potentially only holds sort of just under a hundred thousand or so, but because they've got all the all the football players, the opposition team and all the coaches and cheerleaders and all the people who run the stadium that they're there, then that bumps it up. As far as we know, is it just WWE who do this then? I don't I wouldn't be able to tell you offhand. I think if, if they're trying to aim for a record, then they'll probably count as many people as possible. I've got a question for you guys. 92. They've rumoured to have sold over a million pounds worth of merchandise. Well, like lovely Brits back in 1992. Do you think they did anywhere near that over the weekend from the Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday at the Clash? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I reckon so. <laughs> Uh, my, my t-shirt was £35, and that wasn't the most expensive piece in that shop. So if you went in there, there was an awful one. But there we go. Well, shocking, but there we go. So yeah. it's just a sheer inflation point. In. Getting the calculator out, 62,000 time, times that, probably that £35. If that's If only everyone bought a t-shirt, but people definitely bought, I know people bought less, I didn't buy much of anything, and but people definitely spent a lot more. But just on that alone, comes to 2.1 million. So, yeah, yeah there you are. that's... You can easily add much more to that. And the people who did get into the mega store, i.e. not me, because I gave up very quickly because I'm the worst queuer in the world. No, they were laden down with <laughs> stuff, the briefcases and were. belts and what have you. So, Belt. yeah, two million yeah, to tip in the scales, I, skip, I think. The only merchandise yeah. I came away with was, was the free Panini sticker album, which I have since lost. No, mine's still <laughs> I gave mine away to a lovely young, young man who was uh, very happy to see it Although, I wish I kept it. I was a slight fan in the arena when I was at college. So I kind of keep a bit gutted. I just throw it away from the Somebody, not me, did, did spill £6.50 worth of water down Amstel all over it. So uh, maybe I didn't <laughs> think it was worth saving. <laughs> £6.50 <laughs> for Amstel in the commerce. I'll talk about this now or not. But based on the sheer money-making scenario, is that the basis of this happening again, i.e. next year or in the next? years or another part of the world and or country surely from a money that's, that's where my theory comes from yeah we can talk about that or to the uk or to uh, germany or they, they feel that the market is it's based just like you mentioned there that just based on like, if someone just bought a t-shirt they're making over two million pounds just on the merch let alone the tickets that we yeah. also sold i mean you know a huge money dinner and it costs a lot of money to take a, a touring, you know, group to other countries. I'm guessing it's involved. We usually hear roughly sort of this time of the year, we'll give us like a month or two away, how profitable uh, WrestleMania was. And yeah, of course, not we're not on that. They were, this wasn't on that scale, but it was a, some, something leading towards that at least. It was one, one day rather than a whole week or something. But there's... Some, some sort of parallels there. So I imagine come January or so when the figures are probably all figured out and then announced, we'll probably hear how profitable it was. And then from that announcement, they'll probably then say when the next one is, I would suggest that come the new year, we'll say, okay, Clash of the Castle 2 or whatever they're going to call it, 2023, we'll be here. Here are the ticket links that will be available probably days after Mania, he says, going by this year and such. But yeah, that's that's my thinking. Whether it would grow more than more than one a year, that's to be seen. But and uh, with the announcement of NXT Europe, I think we might get they might do a, a super show in somewhere like Berlin, 
they've got they've got similar sort of stadiums and stuff over there. So why not do do someone in Germany, which is another big wrestling market, this this side of the Atlantic? What do you reckon, Adam? Um, I'm just having flashbacks. Does anyone remember back in I think it was 2005, 2006? They were discussing doing international brands of WWE. Like, so you'd have the main WWE, which would be like US and Canada, then they'd have one in Mexico one over here and one in i believe it would have been japan maybe wwe was a thing wasn't it so yeah, to some degree well i i, I know because it's just it's just one of the guys who broke me into the wrestling business was actually going to be the uk promoter so i'm just I'm thinking, you know, it's 15, 15 years out. I can pro, I can tell you some of the things that he told me. He, he sort of, he sort of, he planned out the way he was going to run it. Basically, he, the office that um, he was uh, at the time was going to be like his his base, which had a training school. So he was at, uh, well, it had a small training school, but he was going to buy the building over the road, which would have, which was a sort of mid-sized arena. He was going to make that like the training school slash like um basically like the OVW building uh the the Danny Davis arena and it was that was and you know he was going to have like the training school there and then he was just going to uh basically run different parts of the country each week kind of go around and you know do like a traditional sort of territory loop like that um well yeah the reason the reason um this sort of came, that this sort of came to me was cuz he was this was also around the time they were considering doing WrestleMania at Wembley. So his idea was if they're going to do a main show WrestleMania at Wembley, then because he, he had the, he would have had uh, the training school down there. He would have been able to do essentially a WrestleMania pre-show uh, with all British guys. And it's, and it's one of those things of, well, well that, that would have been historical um, for whatever reason. I don't know, because obviously don't know who would, who that would have been 15 years ago but yeah um i feel i've drifted away from what the actual question was what, what, what exactly were we talking about before i sort of got distracted uh, imagine that uh, will there be a clash at the castle 2 next year well, can, um, i could see an equivalent um i mean you know here here in essex we've we've a nice castle up in colchester charter hall <laughs> a few thousand people yeah, if I can walk to a WWE event from my house, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> can I just say I live in a place called Wheelie Castle? I just want to put that on the record right now. And the ruins are about 200 yards away from my house. Oh, there we go. There was, a, there, was, there was a jousting event there a few weeks ago. So if you could do that, a full WWE pay-per-view should be About five years ago, I did a gig in this place I'd never heard of called Barnard's Castle, a comedy gig. Um which is really weird because um, I could have what? told a certain government minister that, um, <laughs> that from my experience, the people of Barnard's Castle don't care too much for when you mock the establishment. Um, government advisor. He might be listening. He probably is. He won't be doing anything else. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Uh, <laughs> Not yeah, the Dominic I, mean, I thought we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I did say earlier that it was obvious Dominic was going to get booed. So there you are. <laughs> I did predict that, I do believe, in our conversations. I know it was a huge prediction that at some point, but that was a good a good heel turn, the way they did that. It wasn't a shock to me. I think people around me were quite upset that that's what happened, but I was thinking they would do something. Because I did say, I think to you guys, there wasn't a lot of storyline on the show as such no there wasn't kept very limited that was one thing that obviously happened um that will then obviously move into raw and, and, and be talked about it wasn't a great deal else obviously you've got the, the uh, there were yeah, unless you can no, romans yeah. acknowledge me during the match there were no promos to speak of were there no not, not much going on no, 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 really. unless you count karaoke yeah. Well, we'll, 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 I won't talk about that. We'll talk about that. <laughs> Try to avoid that. 
And I think Dominic Mysterio still says something we'll remember in 20 years' time as the talking point of the show. But at least something did happen to make it feel like, you know, we are in current storyline mode. Yeah. And we are continuing. It was quite well done. I think the Finn Balor picture of him laughing was quite good laying down on the floor was quite a nice, uh, a nice shot they managed to get in, I think, on, on the camera, which is quite, quite a good way of doing that. But, yeah, that'd be interesting to see how that pans out. But there are bigger performers than Dominic Mysterio, I think, sadly, which, you know, will impact us than Edge. I can't think of Edge versus Dom being the match. I'm sure it'd be Dom versus his daddy, essentially where that's going. But I don't know. I'm not sure I'm that invested in the team, that either, really. But I, I, I did comment that there wasn't a lot of, you know, apart from obviously the end of the main event, because I think someone screenshotted our mate, I can't remember his surname now, Sakola, what his name is, Sola Sakola. Someone, I think, put it on yeah. a chat or something, didn't they, on, on Twitter or on a tweet and said that he, he signed. So that was quite interesting. Then suddenly, out of nowhere, um, it was him that cost. Um, and the main events, they were the kind of the, the, the two things that happened throughout the night, I think, weren't they, that were anything that, were, that would lead into Raw. So that's the only thing I would say is slightly different. How tall is Dominic Mysterio? Well, it's just, you know, I'm just, I'm just sort of thinking, you know. I know I can't talk about hair but if I had hair, I would not have that hair. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, it's just I'm I'm sort of looking at him thinking, you know, he's got to be, what, like six, at least 6'2", which is odd, because obviously Eddie was only 5'8". <laughs> he's billed at 6'1". Yeah, yeah, so taller than average. Hmm. No, it's just sort of, you know, you sort of look at like the Guerreros and say, well, then none of them are over, well, sort of that tall. And it's just, you know, where, where'd he get his jeans from? We could, talk, we could talk about that in three years' time on the pod, so save that for then. <laughs> 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 Getting back on topic, as I probably should try to do. Uh, yes, I do think they will do this again. I do think Mr. DeWitt was correct when he called this even before this event had taken place. I think they would be stupid not to, and the numbers don't lie, if they made, at our rough calculations, at least two million from merchandise alone. Then the phrase break even doesn't even need to be brought into consideration, let alone anything else. And given how hot the crowd were, and you could feel the atmosphere in Cardiff on the day. It was it was vibrant, and there was a sense that something really important was happening, which might end up invoking the law of diminishing returns if it becomes an annual thing but that's a risk if I was WWE I'd be more than willing to take it will take years for it to, it won't be as feverish as it probably was on, on Saturday because it was the, the first one in yeah ever but I think that that passion will still be there for yeah many years I don't think there'll be any great sharp decline in, in that at all I think Especially if they if they move it around, especially if yeah. it, it it tours and as I sort of I think I, I potentially alluded to when we met up that I think it it could potentially become like a bidding process as Manias are now becoming cities are now bidding they want to host Mania they want mm-hmm. that they want that um, economy boost so if if other cities get wind of how much money Cardiff themselves took in then yeah. Places like Edinburgh and Manchester, etc., will be putting their hands up and saying, "Me, me next, please." Um, what well, you say that you say about that, but bearing in mind the the amount of money that SummerSlam drew thirty years ago, um, you would have thought that they, even if they didn't do it as a as one of the main ones, that they did, they would have, they could have, off the back of that, they could have just done like a even a UK, fifth UK uh, fifth sort of UK based pay-per-view that was still in the main canon. Well, they, weren't, they weren't doing more regular pay well they introduced King of the Ring a year later but there was but then you have to think that Vince was potentially going to prison very soon after SummerSlam 92 so that probably helped him mm. help the business and then in a general decline anyway so I think they just couldn't really sort of afford the the outgoing of such a thing they couldn't afford to take that sort of risk of potentially no one turning up 
I think there's a plan this time as well, because don't forget SummerSlam 92, it was only officially decided it was going to be at Wembley in what, late May, early June? I think, yeah, you might be right, yeah. Which makes it slightly more impressive that they managed to deal out over 80,000 tickets before the days of the internet. Um, to that many people on that short and notice. Power of Sky Sports, I suppose, because as soon as it was like, as soon as it decided, it was promoted everywhere, wasn't it? I guess. Yeah. Just where the bulldog there came into play, and also the fact that we had yes. room. I think that's that's going to be acid test if they do a clash two in Edinburgh or in in England or in Germany. They won't necessarily be the hometown favourites there, I say, in the main event, which I know probably wasn't. I know it was in Wales. Scottish, but obviously Bulldog at Wembley was, was huge because Bulldog, you know, he was our boy, wasn't he? He was he was the British Bulldog. A lot of people, you know, sticking the kids at the time, etc., etc., latched on to the fact that we had a British guy in the WWF in 1991, wherever he was when he came over. I know he was in the early 86, but you know, I think he's probably not, not as well seen. But it'd be interesting to see what happens if they did one next year with. You know, I'll just chuck it out. I think it was Roman versus, I don't know, whoever, as an example. Would that be, would that create that, that buzz? Because clearly on the night, you know, we were all, I think even if he weren't thinking he was going to win, we were all sucked in to Drew has got a chance here. Drew could win this match because they give him the, the massive pop, the, 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 the hometown win. I think we all bought into it a little bit and the match did a great job of doing that. I think we all kind of, you know, the amount of kick-outs that were going on and how many times he was kicking out, you think, hang on a minute, something's going to happen here. And obviously it was a slightly different finish, but would that happen again if they did it next year and there wasn't a Drew McIntyre or a somebody else in the main? That's an interesting I think you can argue that someone else got the bigger, bigger reaction, the biggest reaction tonight, and it, and it was a, a nearing 50-year-old Canadian. I suggest that if you put him in a main event next year, as yeah. on his last year, reportedly, on his farewell tour or whatever, I think you could probably get a, the reaction you want next year. If, if You'd have to do it early in the year, though, because he's going to retire. Mm, well, the, he's going to retire in Toronto, he says, and I do believe him. Makes you wonder whether yeah. there will be a Toronto pay-per-view next year, I think, and that will probably be it. If it is yeah. towards the end of the year, then there's a chance he might come back over here. I do think I, 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 potentially the reaction he got Saturday might convince him to. Yeah, very possibly because so. I mean, it was it was incredible. It, it was so fucking loud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen everyone singing his his uh, entrance theme to that level. Yeah, it's an extraordinary moment. Proverbial goose pimples. But just going back to Drew, because we are going to have to talk about this before we go. There were fears in some quarters that Drew was actually going to be booed. People not really knowing their Celtic history. Maybe knowing it too well. (laughs) It depends on how you want to look at it, I suppose. But that did not happen. And yes, Edge got the pops of the night. But I think the response that Drew got more than vindicated their decision to put them in the main event. Now, he was more than over enough for those 30 minutes. And the chance for him were pretty vociferous from where I was sat anyway. And let's, well, what else can we finish up by talking about but the result of the main event? And I'll go in reverse order from what we've been so far. So, Peter, was the result of the main event the right one? And did they um, kill the town? Can I just really quickly chuck in Seamus? Oh, yeah, you should. You should, because that was I'm fucking that epic. Oh, oh, my God. What? A, I mean, we knew it was going to be that. Yeah, that was a literally yeah, a corker I absolutely pulled that out of the bag and that was and I think Seamus must have felt absolutely like a million dollars yeah that lived up to expectations I know he didn't win but what, what a match just to, just to chuck that one in there that was that was I quite right say, close amount match of the night uh, you know in terms of the how hard hitting and the action but yeah first of all just do a quick shout out for that match but yeah I think I don't know. I was, I was, as I said, I was so hooked in to what was happening, and I kind of thought this, this, this could happen. And I think we all had a bit of, and we were asked the question if we went in, weren't we? Who, who's winning? And we were very split, weren't we, in the camp about who was going to win, who wasn't going to win. And I think uh, if you all kind of 
sure in the match thought, nah, Roman's going to win this. I think there was there was a small part of you that may have slightly turned, and the crowd was just all over it. And I think um, Drew has come out of this as a in our country and our world, you know, the, the, the top baby face uh, there. Sadly, he lost though, so I don't know what that means for him going forward. And I have to chuck in the end with our mate Tyson, who did a great job at the start with the Austin series knockout. That was quite quite a bit of fun to get involved. We didn't need him to then enter the ring, stare down Roman with a handshake, and then start singing. That was, I don't know, I just thought it made a bit of a... I'm sure Drew enjoyed that kind of superstar. Because he's, you know, he's, he's a global star, isn't he, Tyson? But he does have uh, an image that's not popular in everyone's world. And I won't go into why, but I think that that kind of let it down, and that's why the crowd were were disappearing. I kind of kind of thought that that brought it down a little bit because didn't need that really. Just maybe come in and shake his hand and say, you know, well done. We didn't need the karaoke rubbish at the end for me. That wasn't wasn't needed. But Drew looked awesome. Roman as well. I mean, you talk about the character that he and that that boring bland baby face of getting booed out booed out of the place. Now look at him. I think the way he plays his role now is just absolutely perfection and you know, that's why he's been champion for, for two years so I don't know who's next or what's next but it justified it and I think it, it made to show what it was at the end I think I definitely was on the edge of my feet thinking we could do this here obviously I was quite shocked at the end of what happened which I think was great so that's my my two cents I'm very impressed, Peter. You're talking about dollars at the gate and two cents. So you're still very much aware about how the vast majority of our listenership, even when we're talking about the UK pay-per-view. So that's that's very Always good. Professional. Always professional. You know that. I've seen the stats. It's always, it always gets a bit new world in here sometimes, but quite rightly so. 56% of our listeners come from across the water. And thank you so much for joining us. Adam, a karaoke-free, if possible, assessment of the main event? He says with his fingers locked crossed. Um, I, it was, you know, a great, great sort of main event match. Um, the, I don't know, it, it did the ending. I think might have bordered on being a bit overbooked. I wouldn't. We're not sort of talking uh, full Russo uh, here, but if, but I sort of rewatched the end just before I came up to do this, and if Austin. So you had Austin Theory run out and then catch the cam from Tyson and uh, then Drew hit the Claymore kick. And it's a case of if that had been the finish, that would have been a flat finish to to end on realistically uh, because, you know, all the crowd attention would have been on Austin Theory, not on their guy winning. So um, I, I, I'm not offended that Drew didn't win i am kind of surprised i didn't go that direction but then again i've i don't really watch a lot of the product in general so i i can't comment on how he'd built been built up to this but the fact that they were going with him i'm guessing he's been pushed quite hard recently because i know he did cool off a bit after his last run um i I saw looking, I said about how people were filing out after the finish. I stuck around till the end and I won't focus on that because why would I? Um, But, you know, when I sort of left after, you know, everything until finished up, um, the, while it was a despondent feeling amongst a big part of the crowd, a, a, sec- a certain section of the crowd the overall feeling I didn't, don't think was that bad there did seem to be quite a lot of positivity about yeah our guy lost but it was still the event itself was still worth coming down for um, also you know they, they, it was a screwy enough finish that um, that yeah the, they can still do the return off, off the back of it um, although um, I think I can't. I think it, uh, I remember I showed it to Pete in the park. I can't remember if I showed it all to all of you, but on one of the Facebook forums, it was actually announced that 
uh, Uso Jr. there had been brought up to the main roster, and it was just like it seemed. It just seemed a case of it's interesting they announced that on the on the day of such an event, especially when none of the other bloodline were in attendance. Um, I because uh, I think Pete, you said to me that oh yeah, they that that's something about how how that could t- be telegraphing the finish. He's like. I don't know. Is is this a way to go? But I mean, it's a great way to to introduce the guy to to the main uh, viewing audiences, and I'm guessing not a lot of people watch him in NXT. Um, but yeah, I feel big knee brace. I'm not sure he's injured or he's got an injury there. But he had a big massive knee brace for that night. But yeah, I, mean, um, I feel. Yeah, I, I don't feel too too bad about the main event. I, it's not, I mean, yeah. So we don't have our Wembley Stadium moment with the reversal of the sunset flip. But we also, I, um, as I said at the time, it's it's not a Shawn Michaels with the figure four at one night only. So, but no, I, I believe you know that there's there's nothing about that event that they can't come back from the way it was put together. And Dan, what do you make of the main events and the booking thereof, just to wrap us up? Uh, really in, in, enjoyed the match. I think, as, as everyone has said, sort of very much sort of got in, got into it, got involved into it. Was was sort of yeah, head in hands when two counts were, were pins were being kicked out of, etc. And um, in terms of the actual finish, um, yeah, I was disappointed that Drew didn't. I mean, I think I thought that was kind of the, the right way to go with it. Um, just because even though they might be they may be they plan to go for Roman and Cody at Mania there's plenty of time for Roman to get the belt back so you have this you have the feel good factor on the night where we were and then a couple months down the line Roman wins you know in probably the way that we actually saw honestly that that kind of way and then that's how you you can bring in uh, Sokoa I don't know if he didn't need he need to come in that that soon he's only been in NXT, hasn't been in NXT for too long, from what I can remember. But um, as for the actual finish itself, I'm a little bit, I was, I'm a bit annoyed by it just because it's been, it's been the, the way that Roman's been winning for for quite a while now. I know he's he's the heel, and that's and it's the, the sort of the underhanded way to, to to win. But I would prefer if he cheats himself to win rather than. The constant sort of interference, distraction, like going back to to SummerSlam, where the, the the only way they beat he beat Brock was with everyone sort of burying Brock under chairs and a table. Like I I would get it if that was if he was defeating a monster in like as in Brock was the monster heel, but it was a bit that was a bit odd. Probably the only way they could get around it, the way they have struggled to someone times get around. Rock versus Roman matches, but with this one, yeah, was, I was just like, oh, as soon as I saw Sokoa, I was like, oh, they're doing this again. It's, as someone who does sort of keep up with the, the current product, it's like I've seen it countless times already. So it's like, so I didn't hang around as soon as I, I was basically sort of halfway out the door as soon as I saw it, just to, and then I stayed around as soon as the, the three count went, I was out the door because I didn't need to see any more. I knew it wouldn't be a cash in because Austin Theory had been knocked out. And Roman was walking out with the with the belt, and there wouldn't be any any afters. Obviously, I didn't know what would happen would happen, but I think I got away with that one. <laughs> yeah, you definitely did. Just quickly, if you want Roman to win, which I'm okay with, then just have him win. I'm getting rather cheesed off with him sneaking out wins. You know, you can be a dominant yeah. heel champion who wins convincingly. Uh, don't book him like every other heel champion in history. You know, he's been champion for two years. Make that mean something. He's been champion for two years because he fucking beats everybody. That's that's the only story you have to tell. And yes, it would have deflated the crowd a bit, no question. But if you have him beat Drew, say convincingly, not a squash, a very much a competitive match, 15, 20 minutes, but he still wins. Maybe give Drew a finisher kick out or two, but he eventually gets him with a Superman punch or the spear. And then Drew hits him with a claymore afterwards and Roman tries to taunt him and then you do the karaoke. Okay, do that, fine. But don't go this close 
to Drew winning and then pull the rug out of everybody. Don't have him hit a Claymore for a 2.99999, which ends in a referee pullout. That's getting very close to trolling the fans' territory. And this isn't a situation where, oh, maybe the baby pace will come back and do it next time. Because even if they are at Edinburgh next year, I don't see Drew challenging, challenging for the world title. I think this is it for him. So, okay, you want to keep Roman strong for, I think, Cody rather than The Rock, but that's another debate. I'm sure we'll have another special show before Mania, but I think it's going to be Cody, Roman at Mania. But you have got two belts, and you can tell any story you want with them, and, oh, fuck it. Why not just do it? Do it. Ask questions later. Even, I mean, this is far from ideal, but just do a, a Dusty Rhodes, Great American Bash Dusty finish a few days later on SmackDown this week that Roman's foot was under the rope or something stupid like that. Just let the fans have that moment to really put the capper on it. And if you always want to treat it as non-canonical, and you can. It's far from how I would have done it, but if you want to do a situation which pretty much satisfies everybody, then Drew winning in slightly questionable circumstances but end up not holding is probably the best you're going to do. Again, from where the storyline's going, I'm okay with Roman winning, but I think I would have been... There would have been a slightly less sour taste in my mouth if he just won after a 20-minute attritional match rather than being beaten on at least three occasions and needing to be saved each time. I don't think it does his reign any favours, pun intended. And there was a sense at the end that the crowd were just happy to get out of there. I don't think anybody is rating the show any lower based on the finish. And everybody, when I was in the very, very long train queue to get home for the most two hours afterwards, no, they were all in very good spirits. This is just wrestling after all. And everybody had a great Saturday night out, which is fantastic, as we said at the start of the show. But I do think this was an opportunity to do something out of the box and just to really show the UK fans how important these pay-per-views are going to be going forward if we have them. Not to say they should just book solely for us. And as I said, when we had a little chat before the show, you should treat this as proper pay-per-views. And we don't want special treatment, inverted commas, but it was all there. And you could have found a way out of it that doesn't hurt Roman and just gives the fans that moment. And the chorus and verse of American Pie. Oh, I mentioned it myself now. It <laughs> doesn't cut it. Uh, and I think that's definitely a very good place to finish. They, they ended the show there, so we're going to end our show there. Uh, Pete Kimber, thank you very much for joining me on this special Wrestling 20 Years Ago non-timeline podcast. And of course, it was great to meet you on Saturday, sir. Indeed it was, God. That's probably one of the biggest takeaways, isn't it? Is that we Absolutely. Have meet each other, have a great have a great time, and enjoy ourselves in amongst this wrestling show. So yeah, really enjoyed it. And uh, I've enjoyed tonight as well. Cheers, guys. Fantastic. Dan DeWitt, same to you, my man. Yep, exactly. Exactly echoing the sentiments we've all, all shared, um, both on here and in in sort of messages between each other. A great weekend. Fun chat tonight as well. And yeah, looking forward to the next time we meet up, which will not be in 30 years' time or however <laughs> We will do something again soon when they do something again soon. As long as Brett's there and Pete spots Austin, Austin Theory's son in the Starbucks. All these things have to happen. Absolutely. And Adam, it's great to meet you. Great to meet you, my man. And uh, just be- as we finish, why don't you plug the Facebook where people might just be able to find a little bit more Clash at the Castle content? Uh, yeah, so uh, we've got, so yeah, we're on Facebook, uh, Wrestling20YRS. Um so yeah, we were doing updates throughout the day there, and I mean, I, I try and keep the Facebook page sort of reason, reasonably up to date, uh, as well as you know the, the little history pieces I did. I was planning on rewatching some Clash at the Castle last night, but instead ended up writing about uh, China's tour of Japan in 2002, um, which made for some interesting uh, reading. So amazing stuff on the page, big big thumbs up really good some good stuff on there mm. yeah I, um but yeah the, the clash of the castle stuff has been some of the most popular stuff since um the last sort of six months so so apparently uh, whatever we were doing over the weekend people have really enjoyed um and of course yeah, if you're not 
if you're not on the Facebook page, you can just like and uh, you can follow as well because um, Facebook algorithms are not our friend. Um, yeah, because we like I say, I try and keep it sort of fairly up to date. I've, um, you know, I, even the day before Clash to the Castle to to really sort of, you know, solidify us as a team. I even put Rory's favourite wrestler as our as our avatar. <laughs> Very nearly out of time, Adam. I'm afraid. <laughs> no comment. No comment. I'm cutting you off there. Yes, everybody, check out the Facebook, Adam. There's a sterling job on there. Everybody, some fantastic pieces from exactly 20 years ago, or as near as damn it. And you will be able to watch some of our video content that we did record on site during the Saturday. Uh, some of it is a little on the uh, ad hoc side. Uh, there are a couple of false takes in there let's say that the original venue where we were going to do one of our live recordings uh, probably got the better of us um yeah somebody who might be playing live there definitely got the better of pete kimber as he was <laughs> <laughs> very very keen to tell us and rightly so but we did do a piece for a good 20 minutes outside the arena before we all went in with a few predictions in there so go back and listen and see just how wrong we were on that one and just as far as wrestling 20 years ago is concerned, we will be back to the day job in a couple of weeks time talking about September 2002. Dan will be joining me for that one. I do check us out on the Twitter as well, where you can have my musings on modern day wrestling and anything that may or may not be happening the week we record this. It's all been fairly quiet recently. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a few bits of classic wrestling on there as well. Anything I fancy talking about, to be honest with you. But uh, we have been the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast uh, from Pete Kimber, Adam Joyce, Daniel DeWitt, and Chris White, get well soon, mate. Uh, I've been Rory McNamara, and we will see you again real soon. Thanks for listening.